Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Lines. Uh, I'm here with uh, Juan Giarango and uh, Cristiano Oliveira, and sooner we'll be speaking to Oma Akatugba. Uh, thank you both for coming on today. No, hey, it's always a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you very much. What's going on, gentlemen? So, doing good, doing good. We've got the dynamic duo from Sirius XM reunited, so it's going to be a fun. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun. All the subscribers are going to jump on your podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a they're beautiful... lost. We're not keeping Cristiano, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a beautiful June afternoon. Sun is shining, and Juventus are European champions. So no, I'm I'm obviously joking. Real Madrid are. Uh, once again, kings of Europe, in uh, emphatic fashion, they they defeated Juventus. They claimed their twelfth European crown, and really they've got their sights set on uh, la 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 decima tercera, I believe that's how you say it, uh, for twenty eighteen. So yeah, let's just dissect this uh, real quick. Any surprises? Any any firsts? I think that. You know, Ronaldo gave the performance of a lifetime uh, at at an age where most would uh, be seemingly calling it quits. So, for you, who was the star of this of this final? Uh, well, if if you start looking at it from a Real Madrid perspective, there there has to be a lot of them. Obviously, Ronaldo's at the very top. You'd have to start looking at Luka Modric and what he was able to do in the midfield. Uh, Marcelo at times seemed like that player, but, but it was it was overall it was a very good collective performance by Real Madrid yes. as they were they really shut down uh, Juventus. But more importantly, how telling it was that whole saying about speed kills. That whole matchup, as far as speed was concerned, Real Madrid dominated it, and those types of teams. I mean, we, we can throw all the Zidane. You know, is he a good coach or not? I, I think yeah. the answer is, is pretty much out there, and it's a resounding yes. Uh, just one little mistake, one little shift was what really changed things around. Because if you look at the first half, Juventus were the better team. They they really were able to control the match. They had some opportunities in the beginning where, and, and very few people mentioned this, that Keylor Navas was such a big difference in those first few minutes of the match, making such important saves. That huge was, save right at sixth minute. That was true. Exactly. And, and so it was a, a series of individuals that at different phases of the match stepped up. And that's really what, what you have to ask for as a coach, having different players come through when they're asked for, you know, to really come in and, and do their job. But just one shift, you saw Dybala move to the middle, forcing Danny Alves to move up slightly, and then you leave a lot of space behind him. And that's where Real Madrid started going in the second half, and they started attacking down the left quite a bit because as great as Danny Alves is, as phenomenal a career he's had, if there's been one criticism of Danny Alves, it's been his defensive backtracking. That's the problem that, that Juventus was never able to recover from because that left side was left exposed. Here's a couple of things. First of all, I, I totally agree with Juan. I, th- I thought it was a collective uh, effort by the team. I, I, I don't really think there was one player that you could single out that had a bad game for Real Madrid. Cristiano Ronaldo had a good game, 
but Zach, I'm sorry, I don't think he had a performance of a lifetime. I mean, I can name you maybe six, seven, eight other games where the guy played better. But, but in finals, the one thing though. with the one thing with Ronaldo, and it's like I told you and Oma the last time we yeah. spoke, is the way things have gone for him and his teams over the last 12 months. You can't bet against the guy, and he's always going to show up. And he was there when it most when it most counted. Now to talk about the adjustments that were made, I think Juventus just like. Juanito just said they they might have had the better first half. I think they went into the half overconfident. And I gotta tell you guys, whatever speech Zidane gave to his to his boys in the locker room at halftime, I've loved to hear that because they came out to play. And I don't know if it was adjustments on either part, but the fact is that Madrid, it looked like men amongst boys in the second half, guys. They totally came out in that possession, chance after chance, and then after a while, they just stepped on their throats. And for all the credit you're going to give Real Madrid, you also have to give a lot of criticism to Juventus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it was by design that Dybala was looking to play as a 10, or is it just trying to get closer to Gonzalo Higuain, who after that assist to Mandzukic really disappeared. I think he went to downtown Cardiff and started drinking with, with Dybala because they both disappeared after that, yeah. that particular moment, and you never saw them again. Again, I'm from the school of thought that goes after Gonzalo Higuain from his performances in these types of matches. I mean, Juventus spent the millions upon millions to get him to come, not to win Copa Italia, not to win the Serie A title, but it was to win this title. It was to win the Champions League. And and again, Gonzalo Higuain doesn't show up in big games. I've had a yep. even, I mean, I, I speak to George Metellus a lot about this, and we both agree about it. He gets a lot of crap over at BN about it, but, but honestly, he never shows up, and he's never shown up in big games. And I'm not just talking about Europe. I'm not talking about from the time he went to Real Madrid. I'm talking from the time that he was at River Plate that he would show mm-hmm. up in big games as, as, far as, as far as his career is concerned. So there. Uh, the midfield, another player that you have to look at is Sami Kadina really never got into the match because you start to see Milan Pjanic just running back and forth to a certain extent that he was exhausted by the 60, 70th minute of play. Juan, here's what I was telling people yesterday, right? When you have such a key player like Kadira for that Juventus midfield, right? A key cog in that midfield. This is a guy that was discarded by Real Madrid. And now he's going up against those guys and trying to stop. Second half, the domination by Real Madrid's midfield, that's, to me, the difference of the game. They were able to keep possession. They were able to create chances. Pjanic wasn't even in the game. Dybala was nowhere to be seen. Higuain, like you said, this is what he does in big games. You know, he goes missing. And I know it's sacrilegious to sit here and criticize Juventus because they have legends of the sport, the Buffons, the Chiellinis, the Daniel Alves, and, and players like that. But look at the rosters. I mean, guys, are they comparable? I mean, right now, you have guys who I would say are on the way down. And you have guys in Madrid that everybody's either still going up or they're at the top right now. I mean, it was second half. Second half was was a total mismatch. And you've got, you know, Allegri resorting to bringing in Mario Lemina uh, when they're trailing. James Rodriguez didn't even make the match day squad. He was on the – he was in the stands. I think that just tells you – uh, all you need to know about the gap in quality between the two squads. And a player we're forgetting, too, in, in this whole mix is Isco. I mean, yeah. how much work did Isco do behind Benzema and Ronaldo to mm-hmm. really look to set up Ronaldo more than anything else? Also, he did a lot with Benzema. But all the work that he was doing, and, and if you start to look at the tactical disposition of both teams, there were two very telling aspects, and one of them happened to be Isco being a little bit freer in front of 
uh, Juventus central defenders. And, and that was one of the big differences because nobody knew whether it was going to be a back line of three or five, if you want to put it that way, or if it was going to be a back line of four and then having Cuadrado play out wide on the right. And we saw it was la- it was a former. And still, Juventus were not able to control things. Now, when Juventus have the ball and they shield it away and they're able to defend themselves with possession, it was a different story. But when Real Madrid took it away and started really ex- exploiting the spaces that they had, it was a totally different story. Yeah. And, yeah, I want to get back to what you were saying about Iguain. I mean, Juventus paid Iguain's entire uh, release clause last summer to bring him to Juventus. And at the end of the day, it ended up being a move where, uh, you know, there's no chance. There was no chance for Juventus to really relinquish the, scu- the Scudetto. Now it eliminated any, you know, atom of uh, possibility for for Juventus to uh, lose it in 2017. So, and that is true. Iguain did win them uh, Serie A this season with his goals, but he was not brought in to win them the Scudetto. I mean, you you can win the Scudetto with Alvaro Morata or Mario Mandzukic or or Patrick Schick, the the striker they're bringing in this summer. You know, he is brought. He was brought in to reach uh, to the promised land to bring them European glory, and he couldn't do that. And you know, I always said, you, you know, if Iguain can't deliver the goods in Europe, I I think he's a flop. No matter how look, many. Co- okay. Look, look, you're you. you you're 100% correct on, on, on yeah. your criticism of Iguain. He was obviously brought in with with bigger things in mind, being the Champions League, right? The Scudetto, they're going to yeah. win it regardless who was at that position. But I think the easy thing here, guys, is to sit here and point fingers at Iguain, right? Because of his history of not showing up at big games. And he did not necessarily have a good game uh, on Saturday. But the rest of his teammates, these guys were no-shows. I mean, Mizukic showed up for, what, 20, 25 minutes, then he was gone. Dybala, the next Messi, where, where the hell was he? I mean, it's easy to point the fingers at one guy. But I don't think the rest of the roster, I don't think the rest of the squad had a particularly good game in them. No, and, and they didn't. I mean, I mean to, yeah. to, to point him and him out exclusively is wrong. But to point him out in his role is what needs to be done as well. Because, I mean... Many start looking. Okay, why isn't he doing this? You know, where where is he? Because neither in the offensive end or in the defensive end we saw him become such a such a force. I mean, fine if he drops back and he starts defending and helping in in the collective cause, then you say, well, okay, look, Real Madrid we're just running him over. He dropped back. Okay, you can't say much, but he wasn't involved on that end, and and he really I don't know, I think he only took had one chance total in the entire well, He's the type of guy, and I, I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised, right? We all know he's the type of guy who needs others around him to create chances for him. He's not the type of guy who's going to get the ball outside the box, dribble a guy or two, get into position. He needs others to set him up, and that's the point I'm making that Ibalas, these other guys didn't have those types of games. I thought Madrid did a def- – and I said it on Twitter. I was even joking. I said mm-hmm. I had no clue that – something along the lines that, you know, everyone was talking about a great defensive team. I had no idea that it was Real Madrid that we're talking about. I think Madrid did a great job of taking out their key players, and therefore Iguain was never going to create on his own. I know he didn't show up, yeah. but that's his role. That's what he does. He's the type of guy that needs the ball played into the box, and then that's where he works his magic at least in a Serie A and other competitions. But he didn't really have one chance in the first half. He weak shot on goal. He didn't really have many other opportunities. Not like he had the chances, and he just missed them himself. He shanked them. So 
you know, yeah. just take that. It, it's something that I, I as, as much as we like to criticize him, right? And he deserves it. But mm-hmm. I think there's other people we could point the fingers at as well. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, there, there's plenty of other people to look at. And, and one to look at is definitely Juan Cuadrado when, when he gets sent off the way he gets sent off and mm-hmm. losing his head and falling in, falling into that trap, falling into the game that Sergio Ramos set up there. And he ended up embellishing. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. So, I mean, exactly. Yeah, it won, but if you looked at Cuadrado, if you looked at Cuadrado, even right before yeah. he got subbed in, right, you kind of expect the guy, you expected something like this to happen. The guy did not look happy. It looked no, he like wasn't. he was pissed off that he was left out of the starting 11. It was, you know, he was just going through the motions at that point, I think. And I think he was frustrated. They're losing. And it was just, it all bottled into one thing. And then Ramos, yeah. like you said, he embellished it. Ramos yeah, I, I thought I thought he was going to come in sooner. I mean, I, at one point, going into the dressing room at one all, you could you could really say, you know what, this game is starting to set up for Cuadrado to come in and really look to make a difference. But it never really materialized. And when he finally came in, he was brought in to kind of be a defensive buffer, and, and that's not yeah. how he plays. I mean. If you've seen him, you know, throughout his career, his style is not about being a defender. Him, you know, about him is it's more to be to being an attacker, to, to come from the back and go on an attack, not to drop back and and be a defensive force. That's just not his way of doing. He can defend and break out, but he can't drop back very well. But see, here's the thing. Madrid scored that goal, Ronaldo, first Ronaldo goal. I want to say it was a counter, but it was kind of a quick play. It was a quick attack. They got to build something on the right side. And I think that Juventus were saying to themselves, unless we open ourselves up, these guys aren't really going to create many chances. And so I think that they tried to sit back a little bit, and they had even Cuadrado, like you're mentioning, you know, do the defensive work, and they try to, you know, outlet the ball to, to their uh, playmakers down the wings and whatnot. And I think Madrid just came in in the second half, and it's like regardless of whether you're going to defend or you're going to open up, they, they just came out, like, you know, with a mission in the second half and, and again, I know I, it sounds like I'm repeating myself here, but it was men amongst boys. No, no, no. I mean, you're, you're, I don't think you're wrong with that. I think yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think it was men amongst boys, and and if there was one player that was missing for Juventus, and and again, it's it's those types of players that um uh, be greatest. No, not, not, I wasn't talking about Pjanic. If there was oh, okay. a player that Juventus were missing, and, and obviously he's been he's been riddled with injuries this year that would have made a difference or might have made a difference. I don't know, in, in my case. I mean, he's one of those players that you really don't appreciate until he's not there, and it's Claudio Marquisio. Yeah, Marquisio's yeah. been missing in action for a while. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they yeah. need his – Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that he – someone of his qualities were needed in the middle of the pitch, and you can find it because Kadida was so static, and then also you had Pjanic – who would just run himself into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that Marquisio, I mean, it was clear that Kadira, the Kadira-Pjanic partnership was working, but I still think uh, he should have at least been considered to start because I think he brings that. He had a very good performance in the 2015 final, um, and for me that was the difference between the 2015 and 2017, even though it was only 3-1 versus 4-1. It's that, you know, Juventus... Get, they 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 made themselves proud after uh, the final in Berlin in 2017. It was 
it was simply disgraceful, I think. I just um, think Max Max underestimated Madrid's midfield. That's what I think. I think once Co- uh, Cruz and, and Modric had the ball and they decided to play, I think that everyone on Javan, all they could do is just stand around and watch and defend. And I, I think that was a mismatch that yeah. was exploited big time. Um, and when you have those types of players, I know Pjanic is a really good player, particularly on set pieces, but he's not the type of guy that's going to, Uh, Juan is cut yeah. off. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, here. Oh, uh, Oma. Yeah. So, Oma, uh, what did you make of Juventus's efforts in the uh, in the Champions League final last weekend? It was. It was. Um, thank. Thanks for having me. Um, hello to the audience. I've been listening to your very incisive analysis and. Um, I mean, I cannot agree less with all you guys have said. I mean, I cannot agree more with all yeah. you guys have said. But but I, I think that Juventus put up a very primitive performance. I, I didn't expect that poor display on a final. After showing so much, you know, um, so much intentions leading to the finals. To now capitulate in that manner, it was to me, to be honest, it was an anticlimax. Four goes to one. I mean, this is Real Madrid is a very fantastic team, no doubt, but they don't they don't win games that easy. Even I mean, I was surprised. They had. I mean, I was to be honest, I was surprised. I was surprised. And <laughs> yeah, you should be surprised because I mean, Juventus. They had some woes in the first half, but I honestly think that they were pound for pound uh, as good as, as as Real Madrid in the second half of the season in, in 2017. They, you know, were solid defensively. They faced off against some quality teams like Barcelona and Monaco, and yet they were always uh, extremely dominant. I was definitely expecting a better fight in the second half, especially from, you know, Max Allegri, who has become... Uh, such a formidable manager this past season. Um, but at the end of the day, Juventus had to bring on Quadrado for some extra attacking verve. Real Madrid had James Rodriguez in the stands and Gareth Bale and Marco Asensio on the bench, all of whom are better than Quadrado. Um, so I think that really shows you the difference here. Um, Another... Another yeah. problem is that, I mean, the players you expected to show up didn't show up for Juventus. For example, Paulo Dybala. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw a, a flying cart against Barcelona. And that was, I mean, I've heard a lot about him, but I didn't pay too much attention until that game against Barcelona. I began to pay close attention to this footballer after such a brilliant performance against Barcelona. I looked forward to him showing up against Real Madrid. You know, haven't done well against a big team like Barca, but against Real Madrid, he was absolutely, you know, nowhere to be found. What's his name? Gonzalo Higuain. Anyway, it's not a yeah. surprise. You know, it's 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 it's, a, it's it's an open secret that when Higuain plays in the final, if you're a team mate of Higuain, be ready to lose. Don't expect to win. <laughs> and Oma's a Messi fan, so he hates Higuain extra, extra <laughs> intensely. <laughs> then, 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 then talk about um, um, 
what's his name? I mean, Manjuk, Manjuki, for that goal is called, you would excuse him, even if he didn't do anything afterwards. Yes. You know, you would excuse him for giving us something to, to remember for for that beautiful goal he scored. So, I mean, for Juve, it was a total collapse. And mm-hmm. talking about Maximiliano Allegri, you can't still take anything away from him. He's a quality manager. Um, his, his players failed him. He, he did his best. Yes. Unfortunately for him, the players he so much relied upon didn't show up. And for Real Madrid, it was a different ball game. That fighting spirit that Real Madrid is known for came to the four once again in the final. And there was no way you were going to even win after conceding the second goal by Casimiro. Real Madrid is a team that is difficult to beat. Now imagine when they are ahead of you. I cannot remember mm-hmm. seeing I cannot remember them losing, having gone ahead this season. Against Barcelona, they weren't ahead. They, they only drew level, but eventually lost. You know, but they have come from behind in so many games and ended up winning. So if they go ahead of you, especially in a final, I don't see how you come back, especially when you are not in Barcelona and when you don't have a loud message. So I was I was totally disappointed by Juventus, to be honest. I I mean that was we're not talking about Monaco yes. versus Real Madrid here. We're talking about Juventus versus Real Madrid. In the Omar, I tried, I tried telling you, Omar, last time we spoke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. doubt. He did. I, I can vouch for him. And uh, it was just, I mean, totally domination. I, yo, by the way, I, I, I cut out before. I don't know where you guys heard. I apologize for that. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, but overall, we can agree that, that Real Madrid – I mean, uh, we haven't heard it the past few years because it's always been Barcelona. But it's safe to say, and I think there was no doubt in anyone's mind that, that this team, I mean, has, has taken that, that mantle and, and become the best team in the world. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of that credit should go to Zidane, guys. I think Zidane's yeah. come in and the players are listening to him because we're talking about an all-time great. When the Rafa Benitez of the world, even Jose Mourinho at times, and a lot of these other guys, when they speak to you, and in the tone that you don't appreciate, you kind of give them that look like, bro, you talking to me? But when Zidane talks to you, regardless of the tone, you're going to listen. And I think he's brought a lot of calmness on this team. He's, he, his experience in big games himself has really made a difference on this team. Yeah, it's like the yeah. mirror and taxi guy. You talking to me? I agree. I agree. I agree totally with that. Uh, Zinedine Zidane, you know, he's brought – something different to the Real Madrid squad. This is a team that have suffered um, from from self, a, a problem of self-confidence over the years. Um, having been in the shadows of Barcelona, even Jose Mourinho couldn't bring back that needed confidence and, and fight that the Real Madrid team was known for. But Zinedine Zidane has done that in less than three years. And the Real Madrid squad now has what you call depth, it's a squad that never that that is always fighting, and they have a clear purpose. They have a clear direction, you know. And um, you see almost everyone coming from the bench to add something. The players on the bench are not just on the bench; they are players who are equally as good as the one playing. And when they get a chance to play, they make a difference. And you must give him the credit. Players like Asensio, you know, have come onto this, you know, to the team. To become very key players from the look at Isco. Isco, you know, 
became a, a, a very key player in the Real Madrid squad, you know, in, in towards yes. the second half of the season. All mm-hmm. credit must go to Zinedine Zidane. Two Champions League in, in, in three years, and of course, taking it beyond La Decima to another <laughs> level. He deserves all the credit. I have heard people say he's lucky because he's coached a team like Real Madrid. You know, there's this there's this cliche, as far as I'm concerned, that coaches who coach Barcelona and Real Madrid are just lucky. They don't deserve any respect. I don't agree with that. I read a lot of this on Twitter. And sometimes I get very, very angry when I read this kind of tweet. But again, they say opinion is the cheapest commodity on earth. But I mean, here's another one I'll throw at you. You have yeah. to be prepared to be lucky. Because Absolutely. you you know I mean it, it just I mean preparation is always going I mean just if you outplay if you out execute if you out prepare your opposition you're gonna get a lucky bounce but you're gonna be able to capitalize on that lucky bounce exactly. it's gonna happen Hey Juan what's the saying chance favors the prepared right Of course Absolutely. it always does And I mean people talk about two out of the last three if you look at the four last four Champions Leagues that have been won by Real Madrid Zinedine Zidane's been involved in every single one of them. So exactly. he does have that winning DNA. He does have that attitude. He does have that calming disposition, something that we haven't seen, something that a lot of, of the people, a lot of the members of, of the Madrid media especially, always look to try and instigate out of him. He's, he's very smart on how he handles those situations. He tends to be more of a diffuser than one of those types that really tends to explode a lot. You know, he he he's not looking for the spotlight compared to what Jose Mourinho was looking to do. He Absolutely. Wasn't, he wasn't looking to be the star, the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, well, done, and even even Ancelotti wasn't like that either. And I think that's one of the lessons that he's learned throughout his evolution as a coach. And he's had good people to learn off of as well. I mean, that's what made him a great player was that he wasn't selfish. He liked to get everyone else involved. He, everyone knew he was the star, but he could share that spotlight with everyone else. And this is a guy, I know Uma, and I'm not trying to correct you here, and I apologize if it sounds that way, but you're saying three years. It's only been a – you guys been at the job a year and a half, a season and a half, not even three years. Dude just got there. But I think that his, his playing history, not taking anything away from Ancelotti and other guys, but I think this is a guy that's, that's very well recognized as – one of the greats of all time. And so the players look up to this guy. And I think that's the difference between him and other soccer minds. That's very correct. And he's the type of superstar that I like to call an ultra-modest superstar. I mean, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of being, you know, in the same room with Zidane during the Champions League game against VFL Wolfsburg here in Germany. And, I mean, I was not, I was not too impressed by his mien. Just like you said, is quite um, aloof. Not not a very exciting person from from of on face value. When you you look at him, he doesn't smile a lot. You know, he's just straight to the point, focused on the business, and you know, he gets the job done. You know, because like like you said, he's not looking for the spotlight. He doesn't want to be the center center of attraction. He doesn't want to be the star. Even though he's a superstar himself, he just wants to get the job done. You yeah, know, but... very, very, in my mind, very unfashionable. But the most important thing is the result. And that's all Fiorentino Perez have been searching for for many years. And I've seen a report, I don't know how true it is, that Fiorentino Perez has said that Zinedine Zidane can remain at Real Madrid for the rest of his life. That's quite interesting. because Yeah, and if Real he comes Madrid, in third next year, he'll get fired. Exactly. Real Madrid <laughs> is not a club that is known 
to keep managers for so, for so long. But we'll see what happens with Zidane. I'm not sure about that, though, because I think that, I mean, we all know uh, of Florentino's unforgiving approach to his Absolutely. managers, but I do think that he kind of sees Zidane as sort of a son uh, in many ways. I mean, he brought him in for a world record fee um, as a player, and now he's kind of groomed him to be the coach of uh, exactly. of this dynasty, you know? Yeah, but but again, you know, the same thing could be said about what happened with Ancelotti. You know, he, he wins, yeah. comes in, wins the Champions League, then the next year he goes trophyless and he's gone. I mean, uh, Fabio Capello got sacked right after winning the, the league title. Um, this, I mean, uh, same thing with Bernd Schuster. So, I mean, that's seen, mm-hmm. that's been, I mean, mm-hmm. even Vicente del Bosque, who had won two Champions Leagues prior. And Drew Pikes, Drew Pikes, Heikens, yeah, whatever Pikes it is. As well, yeah. Yeah, he, he won the Champions League very next year. I he mean, got hired to coach Benfica. Yeah, I mean, so, so as much as you want to consider him, you know, as much as Florentino Perez might be considering, you know, Zidane right now his favorite son, I mean, results aren't going his way, and he'll quickly disown his ass. And Sergio Ramos will be jealous of calling Zidane his favorite son because everyone knows Ramos yeah. is really Florentino's baby. <laughs> that is true. And I guess Cristiano is as well. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I just think that, you know, Schuster, Ancelotti, Capello, those were all in some ways damaged goods. You know, they were experienced coaches, um, but they did have some sort of mileage on them. And Zidane's ah, a ah, fresh face. Zidane, I wouldn't call his... Ancelotti a, 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 come on, a damaged coach. Ancelotti's one of the best coaches in the world. I know, but I I know, and he was a world class coach. And he, him at Madrid, his his term at Madrid played better football than Zidane Zidane's current team. But I'm just saying that you know Zidane is still a rookie in this team. He's he's been uh, one of the most successful coaches of all time, but he's still a fresh face. So I don't know. I think that, but also if you go back in hindsight, I mean, one of the reasons why Florentino Perez decided to bring Fabio Capello in was because he won the champions league with, with Real Madrid over, you know, 20 plus years ago. So, I mean, damaged goods. I don't know if Fabio Capello would be damaged goods. Maybe, maybe if you look at Fabio Capello 20 from 2014 to now damaged goods, probably after his, his runs with the English national team in Russia, that's a different story. But when he was going into Real Madrid, he was still highly regarded, especially, I mean, he had left the Juventus job where he had led the team to the Scudetto. Obviously everything that happened with Calciopoli, he ends up going to Real Madrid and he ends up taking Real Madrid to the title and and dethroning Barcelona in the process. And he had been there, Madrid. Don't forget in the nineties, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, he won a Champions wins, one, wins, wins ugly, right? With this, with his defensive style, and sayonara. I'll see you next year. You know what I mean? That's that's Madrid. Madrid wants to win titles, but wants to impress the crowd. They want to play beautiful football, but it's sometimes it doesn't always work out like that. And as far as Ancelotti, Ronaldo, majority of the players were upset that he was leaving, and that's why. He had his run-ins at the beginning of the season with, with Rafa Benitez. And this is just the guy, again, I, I know like it's the second time I'm repeating myself here in two different points, but I think these guys look up to him, man. They look up to him because of what he did as a player, and they actually listen. They weren't listening to Rafa Benitez before. And, and, and Ancelotti didn't get fired to fall of his own. You know, it was, Florent, it was Florentino. That's what Florentino likes to do. He just likes to change dudes. Just for over any little thing, because Ancelotti was just, you know, he's as good as coach as anyone said in world football today. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. And he won, I mean, he won the Champions League. 
after so a long time of searching for the La Decima. And he got it for Real Madrid, but still got fired. So, but also, but also remember who was on the bench with Ancelotti at that time and how much of an influence he had yeah. uh, as far as the players were concerned. It was Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. He, 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 was, he was Ancelotti's right-hand man on the bench. So there, there's a great deal to really look into as far as why these players respond so well. And, and I mean, they've had their ups and downs this season, mind you. It hasn't been perfect, but they've found it's been a pretty way. Pretty damn close to perfect, to be fair. It's it's perfect. I mean, well, pretty much close to perfect. But they know in the back of their minds that okay, we should have won a treble. We had the opportunity to, but they exactly. always found they always that's, found they always found a way to do it. They always the, found a way. Yeah. Well, and it became perfect. It became perfect once they faced Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. Then every, then all of a sudden, everything yeah. clicked. Ronaldo yeah. started yeah. scoring goal after goal, and all of a sudden, that team went from being a good team to 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 you know to to a world Just beater. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Think about it. Ronaldo comes into the quarters with two goals. Finishes yeah. the Champions League, the leading goal scorer in the Champions League competition. So that should and show you, especially if you got to face Bayern, uh, Atletico, uh, and and Juventus. Juventus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at it from that perspective. I mean, what Ronaldo's saying. I mean, I mean, what Ronaldo, what Cristiano's saying. Excuse me, didn't want to confuse my Cristianos. But it's all good. <laughs> I'm the original, though. The original. I'm older, so I'm the original. So yeah. no, but what, what I'm, the original. Yeah, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I mean, they, they they hit all cylinders at the right time because the the per, the team that starts being most effective in late March, early April, that's trophy winning time. That's when, when you when you got to really have everything going full speed ahead. And Barcelona didn't have that. Bayern Munich didn't even have that. The team that the only team that you really saw stepping up outside of Real Madrid was Juventus. And mm-hmm. to a certain extent, Juventus, you would kind of be very guarded in saying that because of how Serie A has been outside of Juventus and Roma and even Napoli to a certain extent. But Juan, this goes back to a point we all made it just a few minutes ago, which was the depth of Real Madrid. They had the luxury of going on the road to Gijón, Deportivo. And you got to give a lot of credit to Zidane here because I don't think anyone would ever be able to convince Cristiano Ronaldo to sit in the stands and miss complete games, right? And Zidane was able to convince them, keep these guys fresh. They were playing with their backups and winning games in La Liga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so I think, you, of, I think you, you you'd convince this Cristiano Ronaldo at 32 going on 33 yes. to say, you know what, yeah. take a break yeah, because exactly. his body's not responding. And this year we've seen that evolution of Cristiano Ronaldo. We're not seeing that super blazing fast player down down the wing that's looking to run past everyone. He, he's looking and, and he's very, very smart how he moves from side to side, how he drops back and forth and how he's starting to move around and make sure that he – is able to pounce on the ball at the right moment. That's kind of been an evolution of Cristiano Ronaldo, and that's been very important to see what he's been able to do. Now, it's uh, kind of I the evolution that Messi's going through to another extent because he's dropping back more and becoming more of a player for Neymar and also for for Luis Suarez. But despite saying that, he was still the leading goal scorer in La Liga this past season. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think that's a very apt, apt analysis on, on Ronaldo because um, he's, he's, he's kind of... Um, his game has evolved, you know, and that is quite understandable when you look at the age. Um, he's beginning to position himself more, you know, to score goals. Ronaldo before now was 
you know, like some would say, a complete player. He's got all of the style, all of the guile and craft, you know, and he will still score goals, you know. But right now, there's there's not so much to enjoy in terms of the total package. But in terms of the the key thing, which is goal scoring, he does it right now, you know, with less energy, which is normal because at this point in your career, you've got you've reached a level you know, of, of a point of diminishing return. So you've got to save energy and do what is important, which is scoring goals. And he's done it in a very, very, very interesting fashion. But if you look at the, you know, the numbers compared to what he's done years or even a year ago, you would say, yes, it has dropped. But, I mean, he has won, he's won the Champions League, he's won the La Liga, He's top scorer in the Champions League. He's, I mean, he's made so much records. In the yeah. Champions League, all-time highest goal scorer. I can't even continue to count. There's so much. So, which is very important. And I, I hope that we're going to see this same Ronaldo next season. But I have a feeling that this is the best Ronaldo we'll see. And next season, is. It, I mean, I don't know. It's difficult to, to bet against him. But I have a feeling that next People season, have been saying that for Ronaldo three years. Has, People have been saying yeah, that for three years. But, but yeah, no. But they, <laughs> eventually, but, eventually, you're gonna get it right. Eventually, he's gonna yeah, fall if, off. No, yeah, but you're but right. You're right. At, if you look at the numbers, Ronaldo have not caught up to what he did last season. Totally. He, he also played less. Yes, mm-hmm. but but not not so much of games. When you look at the, the number of goals he has turned in, to be honest, you know, just look at it. Look, at, let me give you an example. Look at the Champions League. Last season, he had ten goals already in the group stage. This season, it took him. He had two goals until the semi-finals. Yes, Quarters. okay, until the quarter-final. I mean, I don't know if, if this is correct to say, but circumst- I mean, the, pre- the things also worked in his favor. Bayern Munich got a red card. The team was depleted. I don't know if this is right, but if these things don't go this way next season. Omar. Maybe we're not going to see him score so much goals like, like he's done before now. Oma, if you run a marathon in four hours, right, and you sprint yeah. in the first 12 miles, right, yeah. or you sprint yeah. in the last 12 miles, but you still run in four miles, do you really give a crap? No, I get your point. I agree with you. That's, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. But critically speaking, I think that Ronaldo is, is diminishing. Here's a question. Well, I mean, here's but, a... but we, but here's the thing: we all diminish. I mean, I mean of course. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean so yeah. far, so Father Time's unbeaten. So let's not let's not go in and, and think that Ronaldo's going to go until he's 45. But here's here's the thing: the problem that Ronaldo started to see in his own in, in his own form was yeah. that yeah, he'd run that marathon in 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 three hours. But the, the way things are going every single season towards the end was he wasn't jogging or he wasn't sprinting towards the end. He was crawling, barely getting to the line. He was hopping on one leg. If you look at the product of the World Cup, he was literally hopping on one leg by the time he got to Brazil. Yeah. I mean, he, his body breaks That's down true. because of his demands, because he's so demanding on, on himself. That's true. So he's realized that he has to be able to pace himself a bit more to be able to get to the season the way he has now. Juan, here's a question I got for you guys, right? Do you and I know I praised I praised Zidane just a few minutes ago for having the goal to tell him like you're not gonna play as much. But do you do yeah, you give the credit great. to Zidane or do you give the credit to Fernando Santos, who started with this in the Euros last year when Portugal switched from a four three three to a four four two 
because Ronaldo wasn't the same player we're accustomed to. He's not the same guy with the speed beating guys from the wing. He's more of a guy now that plays in the box centrally. Yeah, so yeah, would yeah. you credit Fernando Santos or would you still say it's all on Zidane? I think it's still all on Zidane because it's not, it really wasn't mostly about Ronaldo per se. It, it's about the issue that, that Zidane has with the overload of midfielders and creative midfielders. A lot of players in very similar positions that he had to be able to try and fit in as much as possible. Uh, I mean, BBC was not going to be, you know, it was going to stay relatively intact. But what were you going to do in the middle? If you have three in the middle, you know, what do you do if you have four? I mean, you're not, ha- you're going to put Casemiro in, in a major um, situation if it's by himself, just like if you have, if you had Tony Kroos, if there was one weakness to Real Madrid, it was the midfield from a containment standpoint, not from an attacking standpoint. It was that they were leaving a lot of spaces in the middle. You only had one player to cover. You had one player covering two holes. That was one of the big problems that they encountered, especially when they played a team like Barcelona that really complicated them at times. Or, I mean, there was other teams that have complicated them, like Sevilla did in the first match earlier in the season when they were actually playing for something, and Sampaoli wasn't thinking about the Argentina job. Mm -hmm. You had a different mindset there. You said, well, okay, fine. Three is okay. But then you started to see, you start seeing some of the liabilities that you ended up having and said, you know, we have to play with another midfielder. We have to play with somebody else containing as well, because we can't hold, we can't maintain the pace if we can't maintain the midfield. Teams would just flood the midfield against Real Madrid and, and like they would not let them get the ball a hundred percent because none of those guys up top are tracking back. Yeah. And I, I, to answer your question, though, I think that Fernando Santos deserves credit for the nine transformation. But Zidane, for me, a more important uh, transformation is the ability to sit Cristiano down and say, you know what, you can't play every single game. We're going to you know, not play you for several away games during the home stretch, And you'll be better for it. You're going to produce way more in Europe because we're arresting you, because uh, we're, we're, we're prioritizing you for the big games. Um, so I think that Zidane deserves a ton of credit for that. Uh, what say you for, in regards to, in regards to Zidane's achievements with, with Cristiano? Because I, I don't think that he could have reached this peak, uh, without, I'm not sure if it's, it's playing, if it's a peak of his playing career, but I, I do think that, you know, this is for me the most memorable final he's produced in. Um, and I think you, I think Zidane deserves a lot of credit. You tell him you're not going to remember him for taking off his shirt after scoring the fourth PK against Atletico Madrid. That's not the most memorable part. <laughs> no, no, he no. Got, I mean, he that, got that, killed. No, I'm being sarcastic, dude. I mean, yeah. he got killed. He got killed for that. He How do you remember that? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do. That's why. That was, that was that was to me. That was an afterthought. That wasn't even. That yeah. wasn't even something that I that I really would start to... Juan, you did it, and I didn't care neither, but a lot of the media criticized, in particular the haters, you know, and, and, and the ones from Catalonia and everything. But, but that's just, always how does this guy to... celebrate the fourth goal? Who cares? Like, who cares? He said he played in his own country, scored a goal, you know, and, and he sell it. Who cares? But they just made such a big thing. And right now, oh, it was you know more what? If, if somebody, yeah. if somebody doesn't like it when, when, when the fourth or fifth goal gets celebrated, we'll stop them. Exactly. Don't you know? I mean, if you can't stop him, then don't complain. You know that that that's on that's on the team that couldn't stop him. What what else? We're you on the say? same page, Juan. We're on the same page. Bro. I mean, you suck know. it up. 
Oma might not agree though. Oma might not agree. Yeah. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, sportsmanship is is all fine and dandy, but competition. I mean, you know, people aren't going to remember. Oh, you know, he was such a he's he was just humble, such a great. He oh, was such, such a, a great. Nice no, you'll remember Messi for for his humility, but you're not going to remember him. Oh, he was just such a great, classy sportsman. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, he was a winner. I mean, people, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody remembers. I mean, who, you know, nobody went, remembers who wins the fair play award. I mean, hey, why, you know, let me, why, let me, you know, let me tell you something that bothers me. Right. And in, mm-hmm. in any sport, not just soccer, in any sport. Right. But, oh, Ronaldo, he's such an arrogant SOB. He's an a-hole. I hate him. And, or, you know, player A, player B. Right. I'm just, I use Ronaldo as an example. Right. And then mm-hmm. my question is, have you ever met him? No. Have you ever had a chat with him? No. So how do you know the guy's an ass? You know, an a hole. How do you know? Like you never met. Like it's just so easy. Look, man, I mean, I mean, I got, I got, I had the pleasure to to be. I mean, not with him, or, or I mean, I had pleasure to be in the same room as he was. And I mean, the guy, the guy is super nice. I mean, Juan, I've met him and I've interviewed him and I've talked to him multiple times. You know, through Charlie and stuff, right? And I got to be honest. First two, three times I met him, I'm like, I, I can't, dude. I was speaking to him in Portuguese and. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, I was not a fan. And then got to meet him a fourth and a fifth. And then kind of got to talk. He kind of understand, man. The guy has so much demand. Him, Messi, every, you know what I mean? Those guys at that level, right? Just everybody's picking at him from every corner. And I could understand that these guys are just like, yo, whatever, dude. Just, they're just in a zone. It's like the blinders that the horses put on, right? Just to look forward. That's yeah. all they see. And so, yeah, he wasn't necessarily a nice guy first time i met him but i think it was just me you know then he, he, he kind of changed things on me yeah i mean i mean in that and and you see it because the, i mean you see him depending on on the person or depending on the moment he was very standoffish with certain people okay okay fine let's get it over let's take the picture but then there's some hey how you doing you know all of a sudden it just clicked it's kind of him letting him letting you into his world if you will mm-hmm. the number yeah. one charitable athlete in the world no, I mean, I mean, the people that say that, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, there's times I'm like, oh, well, why is he doing that? But then, then you kind of sit back and say, well, you know what? There's other things he does that that's that are that are fine. So I mean, who am I to go and tell him, you know, oh, you're this, you're that, and and you know, and he wouldn't be where he's at because of the attitude. I mean, it was funny because I said, hey, man, you know, there, there's guys that that are just the quote unquote bad guy. And I grew up liking the bad guy. I grew up rooting for Ric Flair when he was wrestling. Reggie Jackson. Yeah. You know, everyone cannot. We all, we all cannot be the same. We've got. Uh, we've got how we are. We are wired. We've got how we how we perceive life. How we relate with people. We're different. Ronaldo is a. Is uh, a showman. Is a competitive athlete. Is someone. Green is someone, whether I like it or not, he likes to be the center of attraction. Um, but that's his mind. You see, Omar, that, that, that's his mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how that's yes. how he gets himself to be able to play and, and compete at the level he does. I'm, I'm gonna say I something agree. to Omar. I'm gonna let Omar finish because I'm gonna use an example, and then yeah, yeah, so so yeah, people yeah. can understand where I'm coming from. But go ahead, Omar. I'm gonna let you finish. Yeah. So um, if if you look if you look if you look at I, I mean I read a book. Uh, um, on Jose Moreo's era at Real Madrid, and I I read how he he and Ronaldo fell out, you know, because both are strong personalities. These are two people who obviously want to be the leaders. Moreo, the coach, Ronaldo, the best player, you know. But of course, there was a serious you know dressing room unrest, 
during the Jose Mourinho era. If you look critically, you see that Sergio Ramos and Ronaldo are not really very, very good friends. If you look critically, I've never seen these two guys celebrate together. I've never seen even Ramos talk about Ronaldo. I've never seen him talk about Ronaldo as the best player in the world. I mean, I don't know what he thinks in his mind. But I mean, he's been interviewed he, before and he said oh, it. I do. I do. They celebrate a lot. Now, Casillas, on the other hand, Casillas will never go anywhere near Ronaldo. That I would yeah, But Ramos, yeah, these yeah, guys are always talking about one another. In, all of this happened in the Jose Mourinho era that I'm talking about. There okay. was a serious, there was a serious yeah. you know, dressing room yeah. unrest, and some of the players, the Spanish players, felt that you know there was there was yeah Mourinho split of, them up yes yeah. and even Mourinho and Ronaldo had a serious fallout you know what I'm trying to say is Ronaldo is a man that likes to be the the all and all he likes to be the one that everyone is talking about he likes to be the one everyone is celebrating there's no problem but again the fact is he's a very competitive athlete and he always want to win and you look at the results you can't blame him you can't blame him. That's who he is, and you've got to accept it like that. And here's my problem. Here is my problem. And one, let me just jump in here, bro, because yeah. I want Omar to finish so I could throw this out there, right? Okay. Here's my problem, bro. If I had to pick a player for my team, by the characteristics, yeah. I'd pick Messi, right? That's more my style of play. I like the close to the, the ball close to the foot. I like the drip. Okay. That's my type of player, okay? So I just want to throw that out there because I don't want people to think I'm defending Ronaldo because I think he's a better yeah. player because yeah. he's Portuguese. Yeah. Got nothing to do with that, right? I'm talking about just both guys regardless of where they come from, right? My yeah. thing is yeah. this. I've become – I used to be – as a Benfiquista, Ronaldo came from Sporting. I was a, wasn't a Ronaldo fan. Then he goes to, to, to Man United and it was, we all know the antics and stuff, the diving – there was a lot of people that didn't like Ronaldo, okay? Then he was arrogant, this, this, and that. But here's my problem. I don't like double standards in life, okay? There's a double standard for Messi, and there's a double standard for Ronaldo, right? When Ronaldo does something, everybody wants to come out and criticize him. And this is my example. Had Ronaldo gone into comp, new or new comp, whichever you want to say, and took it off his shirt and hung it like Messi did, you would have crucified the guy. But when Messi does it, it's okay because he's not arrogant. But yet, Ronaldo's arrogant. You understand, Mike? This is the problem I have. If you're going to criticize one, criticize both. Don't just criticize one. Because to be an elite athlete at that level, you can't tell me you're not self-confident or even arrogant to a certain extent. That's very true. That's very true. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. You let's go. Let's go even further back. I mean, you start looking at players like Larry Bird. You start looking at players like Mike, and they all they all had their level of arrogance. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mean John, you, you remember remember the Larry Bird story when he told Xavier McDaniel, "Hey, I'm getting at the ball. I'm going to shoot right here. I'm going to score over you, like that." Absolutely. And Messi yeah. has that. Messi has that little streak in him that he does that, and and and, and sometimes it, it's a release for him. And sometimes what, what about what for- about Jordan telling Matumbo, "I'm going to shoot these free throws, my eyes closed." You know what I mean? Like yeah. it you're confident. And you don't get to that level without being there. I mean, you don't get to well, you don't get to be Messi, Ronaldo, Jordan, Tiger Woods, anybody, if you don't have that attitude. Yeah. You know, you say, "Well, I, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good. Yeah, man, you know, I, well, I think I could do it." No, you don't get you don't get to that point by 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 being like by being a little bitch. Yeah, you know, you, you don't you don't get to that stage or that level of elite. By, by just kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe. No, you don't. And, and I mean, I mean, going back to Ronaldo, I mean, 
you also have to let him be. And I think that's what, to go back to answer the question about Fernando Santos, he gets credit for letting him be because imagine Mourinho coaching that Portugal side last year and to see Ronaldo going near the touchline and yelling and screaming at his yeah. teammates. That's not happening with Mourinho. <laughs> and he said, you know, oh, man, he's not just, killing me. Do what you I just want do. Mourinho coaching my team in a final. Besides that, Leave Mourinho alone. Just yeah, in a final. The guy doesn't lose finals. And Besides that, that, it's boring and you fall asleep. Another interesting thing that I've noticed is how Ronaldo and Zidane have, have come along very well, which is a good thing for the team, you know, because you've got to, you've got to romance the best player. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like you said, like you said, if the best player in the world is arrogant, as the manager, you've got to manage his arrogance to get the best out of him. You've got to massage his ego. Because if the best player wants the coach to go, the coach will go. If Messi says, both at Barcelona and Argentina, I don't want this manager, the manager must go. Because if they have to choose between Messi and the manager, they have got to choose Messi. So the job of the manager is to manage, you know, all kinds of, you know, egos. That's what it is to manage a big club. So if you can't manage a Ronaldo, then perhaps... <laughs> There's something wrong with your managerial abilities as a manager. That's what I think. So, well, and to add to that, it's to add to that. Yeah. If you heard, if you heard Zidane leading up to the UCL finals, he kept saying, "If I played on the same team as Ronaldo, I'd be the second star." He kept, like you said, massaging mm -hmm. his ego. He's like, "Oh, I'm yeah, jealous I mean, of the goals." Yeah, we're talking about an all-time great. Look at that statement. Look at that statement. That that alone can spur the player on to deliver his best because. The yeah. manager makes him feel like the star that he really is. He is. It's not just making him feel. He is a star. He is the leader of the team. He delivers every time he's called upon. I mean, yeah, he, he does. Just like what, what they say about Messi at Barcelona. The players don't hide it. Even in the days of Xavi, they don't pretend about it. They say to everyone, without Messi, we don't know where we'll be. Pep Guardiola many times said it, that I'm privileged to be coaching a player's line and Messi. Every yeah. manager would do that. If you do that, you get the best of the, out of the player. But if the player is doing everything and you make him feel like he's just one of the team, team, teammates, then it can affect his psyche, whether I like it or not, because we're all human beings. Even Jesus, I'm a Christian, I'm Nigerian, would believe in praising God. They say even God likes to be praised. Talk more normal, you men, mortals like me and you. Imagine I give you 50 pounds or let's say $50,000 and I mean, somehow I feel better when you say to someone that oh my, gave me fifty thousand dollars. I mean, it's just me. It's just human being. I'll say, oh my, you want to give me fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm, not, I'm not Cristiano. I'm not Cristiano. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, by the way, Juan has to go now. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on, Juan. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. I mean, I'm glad to be on. It was a pleasure to be on with you guys. Um, like a bit of a reunite, you know, a bit, bit of a reunion here yeah. with uh, with Cristiano. Always and a pleasure, good. man. Everything good, man. So, I mean, uh, again, uh, best of success on you know, with 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 the podcast, and and hope it continues kicking ass. Thanks, man. Thanks. Have a great summer. We hope to have you on uh, pretty soon. All right. All right. So, Always a pleasure, Juan. All right, cool. Take well, care, guys. Have a good one. Take care, Juan. Um. Right, so back to what you were saying. I, I think that Ronaldo can, – can we agree that Ronaldo deserves the 2018 Blundor or 2017 Blundor or – Too early. Is that too early? Really? To me, to me it's too early. I mean – Really? You think I, it's too early? Yeah, I'll tell you. You know why it's too early, Oma and, and Zach? I'll explain to you why, guys, why it's too early. 
The Ballon d'Or is given from January for, for your performances from January through December. Okay. I mean, Ronaldo. Yeah. Ronaldo wins La Liga and Ronaldo wins the Champions League. Fine, he's in the lead. No one's de denying that he's in the lead. Okay. Right yeah. now, he's the favorite. But Messi, he was no slouch. I mean, Messi no, won was... the Golden Boot. Okay. The mm -hmm. guy's the best mm -hmm. scorer in Europe. So if Messi comes out and in 30 games or 20 games between August, September, October, November, and December, five months, right? Or probably be about 30 games, I would say, right? Or like 20 games, whatever it is. If yeah. Messi scores yeah. 45 goals in those 30 games, how can you tell me he didn't have a better season? Because at the end of the day, it's an individual award. It's for, It's not what your team did. Your team, for your team awards, you already won the award. You won the La Liga <laughs> trophy, and you won the Champions League. You already yeah, got that award. It's so, an individual so, award. So if Messi scores 90 goals from January to December, how can you tell me that's not, you know, worthy I, okay, of a Ballon d'Or? But that, I think that the, that, the only that, hold one... On, hold on, hold on. All right, I want ahead. to make a request. Yeah. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to get me this part... Where Chris, this part where Cristiano just said, I want to post it on Twitter and on Facebook. <laughs> you ask me fifty dollars, and I give you free content. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this will provoke serious argument because a lot of people are already crowning Ronaldo the Ballon d'Or winner, and I'm like, it's too early. You've got to wait. You don't mm -hmm. crown the Ballon d'Or is is for for individual players. It's not a team award. Real Madrid have gotten the Champions League. And the La Liga title for winning. Not Ronaldo didn't win the title, it's Real Madrid. Of course, he played a key role, which is also a major point. Top scorer in the Champions League, not top scorer in the La Liga, you know. So, you know, but he won the La Liga title. So, like he said, there's still a lot to go into it. There's still, um, yeah. the league will kick off. Argentina is playing the qualifiers oh. of the World Cup. Messi is back. Ronaldo is playing Confederations Cup. If Portugal don't do well, that might rub off. Who if, cares? One, uh, Omar, they shouldn't even be playing that dumbass Confederations Cup. That they shouldn't. They should say the kids. That's <laughs> that's just you know what that's gonna do. That's gonna add more miles to Ronaldo. Just leave him exactly. at home. Is Ronaldo actually gonna play the Confederations yeah, Cup? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I would be very upset if I were Florentino for. Exactly. To go to, I mean, Why? No offense. Exactly. It's just a glorified friendly tournament. But you yeah. can't. Exactly. You, you can't. It's exactly. FIFA. National team calls him. He goes. That's it. It's yeah. a FIFA event. And yeah. and those 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 anti Ronaldo, with you know how football fans react. If Portugal don't do well, they blame it on him. But of course, when Portugal do well, I mean does well, they give him the credit. So it's, it's both ways. So <laughs> if Portugal don't because they they won European Championship. Uh, you would expect them, of course, as what champion Germany. So you expect. Yeah, but Germany's that. sending the kids. Germany's sending the kids. They're not sending their A squad. Yeah, that's 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 another thing. So hey, listen, I'm Portuguese. I was born in Portugal. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I hope yeah. they go there and they bomb out. I hope they suck. You know why? Yeah. Because why? I want them to do good in the World Cup next year. Exactly. I could care less exactly. what they do with this Confederations Cup. Exactly. I'm worried about next year. That's what I'm worried about. And Cristiano isn't the only Portuguese who's saying that. I mean, I remember Rui Costa a few days ago said the same thing. Rui Costa, Joaquim Lowe, a lot of people have come out and criticized the Confederations Cup. A lot of people. I'm not a fan. I understand why they do it. I'd like to ask you, Cristiano, do you, are you confident that Portugal can, can win the World Cup? That's one. Am I, confident, am, I, am I confident they can win the World Cup? 
I guess you don't know yeah. Portuguese people well enough. Us Portuguese people are never confident. <laughs> we're never confident. We're, you know, you know, there's glass half full type of attitude. There's glass half empty. I'm, we're all glass half empty. Okay. That being said, that being said, this is yeah. where I have confidence. Okay. This is what yeah. I have confidence. I really, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, not look. And all I could do is give you my honest opinion, just like I did. Now I think I'm being forthright. I think I'm being honest with the whole Ballon d'Or discussion, right? I'm not just favoring. But I'm being. I think it, you're dumb. But to be honest, you don't sorry, consider to him, him. sorry to cut you. I was I was very surprised by your by your response. I didn't. No, no, because that. I no. Here's the thing. I think you're dumb if you don't agree or you don't see or you don't understand that he's the leader right now in the clubhouse. He's the of guy course. in the lead. Yeah, but yeah. it's a long, it's a marathon. Like I said earlier with the marathon, it's, it's, look, I have to be, if we're not, if Messi scores 90 goals in a calendar year, how can you tell me that's not a good year? You know exactly. what I mean? So you exactly. have to be open to it. You have to be open to it. But the only thing I could do is be honest. And I'm being as honest as honest could be right now. Portugal, and I believe we got a little lucky to get out of the group stage. And we'll all look at the end of the day, all we remember is that Portugal lifted the trophy in France, right? Mm-hmm. But here's mm-hmm. the truth. Here's the truth, and this is the scary part for, for, for other nations, right, I would say. Portugal in 2018 is going to be better than they were in 2016. Okay. Because really? the Bernardo Silvas of the world, yes, absolutely. Sure. They'll sure. have a lot of other guys that were 20, 21, 20, weren't ready even two years ago. We'll be much more seasoned come next season, or next year, I should say, in 2018. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think uh-huh. the team overall will be – better than what they were. Nelson Smith will be on that team. I, I, I've told Zach 50 million times. I hope he does go to Barcelona because within two months, he'll be recognized as the best right back in the world, right? They have a lot of up. The only, the only weakness that Portugal has, I would say going forward, is a center back. There is no kid under 28 <laughs> that you could say, is a stud mm-hmm. because you could go at every other position through the Portugal on the 23, on the 21, on the 20, 19, 18, and so on. There's a stud at every single position that's in the you know up and coming. These guys are only gonna get better. And remember, these guys the difference is from a lot of other nations as well, guys, is that you get these kids coming out of Benfica Porto and Sporting, right? And they're not going to the in no disrespect, okay. But they're not going to the Zaragozas and to the West Ham's of the world. They're going to Chelsea, Man United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, these Manchester City. These guys are all playing at the highest of levels, which will get them even more prepared. And I think that team in 2018 is going to be better than they were in 2016. Right, Joe. Wow. Um, so the season officially ended on Sunday or Saturday. Excuse me. Um, so... You know, the Confederations Cup is, is a good tournament, but it's, it's nowhere near as big or interesting uh, as Copa America or Euros, for example. So Never. most yeah. of the attention uh, will be turned on the transfer market. Um, there are some a few signings that have been announced or that are uh, extremely close to completion. Uh, Liverpool, it seems like they're going to uh, go ahead and purchase... Virgil van Dijk from Southampton and Mohamed Salah from uh, Roma. Uh, what do you think? Right moves? Is that, is that official? I mean, I, I heard van Dijk, whatever official. his name is. No, he said he wants to go to Liverpool, but I don't think yeah. Liverpool's like – have they even officially made an offer? Not, not, neither are official, but, I mean, um, you know, the, the, transfer, the transfer window still isn't even open. 
to be fair. Mm, no, I understand. Yeah, we, we know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we know that. Well, but you know what? It hasn't stopped Manchester City from work, from, from continuing business, okay? This has yeah. stopped them. They, they, they got to do what they got to do. But look, official, Van, 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 Van Jike, whatever his name is, nice player. Same thing with Salah. But there are better players around the world that are available and cheaper. Because let's not forget, anyone going from, from from EPL team to EPL team is value like six times more than what they're really worth. And if I have, I mean, just to use an example real quick to give you guys an idea what exactly I'm talking about, what I'm talking about. If I have the option to go get Salah for 35 million or 40 million, whatever it is, right? Or go get my man, Douglas Costa from, from Bayern Munich for the same money. Is there even a, is there even a conversation to be had, guys? Omar, is that a conversation we're having? Can Liverpool get Costa? Because, I mean, think about it. Liverpool did not challenge for the title last season. That's Uh, fine. They barely got top But you know why they didn't challenge? You know why they didn't challenge? Because they they got a bunch of of middle-of-the-road players. That's why they didn't challenge. And guess what? Salah is another middle-of-the-road player. Douglas Costa is special. That's true. Really? I agree with that. I agree with that. And and, and, I I, I don't even know. I, I think that, you know, Liverpool... Are really not showing any intention of going beyond the level that they are right now. Because if you really want to be the best, especially in a in a competitive league like England, you've got to go for the best players, not not players of of average average quality. If if Salah was that good, he would have made it at Chelsea. He, he came yeah, to Chelsea. Yeah, he wouldn't have been transferred six times in the last two exactly, years. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But he I think you could out. say the same for De Bruyne or Lukaku or Bertrand. You know, there's multiple. Those guys, those guys were those guys are nineteen and twenty. There's a exactly. difference. There's and, a and difference. And, and, well, and, okay. and Lukaku stayed in England and proved himself at Everton. Exactly. And 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 sure. the reason why he's not at Chelsea is perhaps because the manager don't want him. I think it's good enough. No, not just that. Not uh, look, and I know this, and I, I was previewed to okay, to, to okay. conversation. I know this for a fact. This wasn't mm-hmm. some somebody told me. I was there, okay? okay. Because remember, when he signed with Chelsea, they came on the American tour and they played at, at Yankee Stadium. I was there at every yeah. single game. And yeah. look, Lukaku did not do himself any favors coming in overweight. And Mourinho said, "Get your ass mm-hmm. out of here." So he was fat, and I was next to him. He was fat. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he was in no shape. And look, when you're 19 years old and you cover 20, and you're coming to a team like Chelsea with Chelsea. Mourinho, you oh, gotta Mourinho. come at the top because Mourinho already doesn't like you because you're 20. Exactly. You could be the best player in the world, but you're 20. Mourinho don't like you. That's, That's it. Okay. That's and then you come in out of shape, you have no chance. You just pack. don't even unpack. Don't even unpack because you're leaving. And that's exactly That's what happens. That's very true. I agree. That's true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Mourinho, um, currently linked with a, a slew of players from Ivan Perisic to uh, Viktor Lindelof. Um, but, you know, after, after four, uh, you know, signings last summer, which all of them seem to really be uh, huge successes, in my opinion, Slatan Ibrahimovic, Henrik Mkhitaryan, Eric Belli, and, of course, Paul Pogba, um, do you give Mourinho a uh, you know a blank check to do his business this summer if you're Manchester United? Do you want to answer that, Omar, or do you want me to go? I, I just keep jumping in front of Omar, and I don't want to jump <laughs> in front of him. So go ahead, Omar. I mean, Mourinho is a manager that knows, that is known for, for always spending big. Um, I think that after 
Pep Guardiola in the EPL last season is the next manager that that spent so much money. Even though he spent almost one quarter of all that money on one player, one player. that is mm-hmm. Pogba. Um, you always you always have to give him the blank check. He always want to beef up his team, especially with the fact that they're not going to be competing in the Champions League. That's that's the top level competition, and you, you don't you, think you, so? You, sorry, you, you don't think Manchester United can compete in the Champions League? Not with the current no. roster. No, exactly. No. Well, that's why you give him blank checks. Well, but that's I was waiting. For, yeah, I'll jump in here, Oma, and you. I think you'll agree yeah. with me here. You can't bring me, Chef Gordon Ramsay, right? Try to cook me a paella with can with, with canned seafood. You know what I mean? It's not gonna happen. You need to get the freshest seafood. And when you bring in a when you bring in a a, a Mourinho and a Pep Guardiola, you know you're gonna have to spend it. It comes especially a Mourinho. Backed by George Mendes, especially in Mourinho. That's yeah, especially Mourinho with George Mendes. It's going to be spending involved. I mean, it's not even a conversation to be had. Exactly, exactly. And again, apart from that, you know, for Man United to compete in the Champions League, they've got to beef up their squad. They've got to get more, you know, experienced players. You know, Mourinho had to. I think he had to make do with a lot of. I wouldn't want to be disrespectful to say average players, you know, to just mm-hmm. um, navigate the Euro- Europa Cup, you know, and and the league. We saw the result. He couldn't, if not for the Europa League, Mourinho would not have been thinking or thinking of playing in the Champions League, you know. But now, luckily, they are there. For them to put up any sort of, you know, decent performance, Mourinho have got to buy players, and you've got to spend yeah. big. Because this is Manchester United. This is the most successful club in England. They have gone through a difficult two years and um, or two or three years, if I'm not mistaken. And they've hired a Jose Mourinho to bring the team back to El Dorado. You can't bring a team back to El Dorado without spending. I think that United, by the time they get to where they want to belong, they would have spent half a billion, half a billion million. Oh, I'm getting confused. Half a billion, half a billion dollar power. Sorry, guys, help me. Half a million, half, okay. They would have spent around 500 million pounds. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, I want to talk about uh, a few signings that I think are going to happen from Benfica because, you know, of the many, uh, there, there are many people reporting on Benfica players, but none know them uh, quite like our guest, Cristiano Oliveira, right here. So, um, Nelson Semedo and Victor Lindelof seem to be close uh, to big money moves, but uh, I believe Ederson is actually official. Is that right? Ederson to Manchester City. Um, good enough? You think I wouldn't it's say it's move? official. I okay. say it's, it's official on Benfica's side, but Manchester okay. City still yet to, to officially announce the signing because of the third-party ownership thing that's yeah. going on with Benfica owning 50%, Rewav 30 and George Mendes' uh, footballing agency, just a foot owning the other 20. And so it's probably, from what I hear, going to take about a month for Manchester City to sort all that out. Even though Benfica have made it official, and it's a matter of time before mm-hmm. he does uh, show up in, in a Man City powder blue, uh, they still have to figure out that third party because EPL does not recognize – Third-party yep. ownerships. 
So you're saying we're not going to have City announce Anderson until, what, the 4th of July? Yeah, well, it could take up to a month because there was yeah. similar players last year that went to, uh, to, uh, to England uh, under third-party ownerships, and it took them about a month. So I'm just guesstimating here on my own. Okay. But I'm guessing that's the reason why they haven't announced it yet because of the third-party ownership situation. Yeah, is is he worth the money, or is it just another case of Benfica squeezing everything they can get out of out of a player? For well, they're team. squeezing everything they could get out of him, but the kid is worth it. Um, absolutely devastated that he's leaving, but it's it's the nature of football in Portugal. We have to understand it. But the kid is absolutely worth it. And I know Bravo came out last week. He said, "I'm not worried about the competition. That's what I'm here for. I'm a pro." Okay, Bravo, you're going to be a backup. In a matter yeah. of time, Ederson is going to be not only the Manchester City starter, number one, but he also, as soon as he puts on that Man City shirt, he'll be Brazil's number one as well. Yeah, of course. And I think that um, personally, having seen Ederson play plenty of times, I do think he's worth the money. I mean, uh, I don't think he's as good currently as uh, Courtois or, uh, or, or David De Gea. But I actually think he can be better because he has that that passing ability that uh, neither have. And I think he can really be the most complete uh, goalkeeper in football. You can call me biased. You can call me whatever, crazy, Omar. Go ahead, Omar. I'm sitting. I got my vest on. I'm sitting waiting for you to call me crazy. But currently, (laughs) I only – there's really – and I'm not – yo, and I'm being honest, guys. All right? I keep keep reiterating myself. I'm being as honest as honest can be. Off the top of my mind, real quick, there's only four goalies. Might be. I'm not saying I'm not missing one. Not saying I'm not missing one, but just off the top of my mind, there's only four goalies. I really, maybe five, because I see. I just remembered another one. Maybe five because he is a spectacular goalkeeper. But mm-hmm. it's the obvious guys: the Courtois, the De Gea's, the Matt Emmanuel Neuer's, O Block yeah. was the four in the fifth is Hugo Lloris. Keller Navas is nowhere near that level. Really? You're not gonna no get way. Navas after that five two what? final performances? I mean a- absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Navas Navas is not at that level. And I'll tell you this much. If Navas was two inches taller, he would have saved that Manzukic half bicycle, whatever. Well, how, tall position, but, how tall was Casillas? How tall was Casillas? is even shorter, but Casillas was a tremendous stop blocker. Shot blocker, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tremendous. Casillas was not good at coming out for the ball. If there was one weakness, it was no good in crosses. He wasn't good in, yeah. in plays like that. Where Ederson, even though he's 6'2", and Nava supposedly be 6'1", as well, but mm-hmm. but he has the, the athletic ability. And Nava, just because you have you know a couple of good games, does not necessarily make you a world-class goalie. Just look back at the World Cup with my boy Timmy Howard, a former teammate of mine, tremendous goalkeeper in his own right, and even Alex Ochoa with Mexico. Yeah, they had tremendous games, you know, tremendous tournaments. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're up there with the Courtois and the Neuers of the world. I, I, okay. I think it, I think it spoke my mind. Um, but I don't, but, but, but That's why I'll I let come, you talk first, see? But how come, how come you forgot about Buffon? Or is it because he's... he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Something? I was just about to say. Nah, he's 40 years old. He's already yeah. 30 now. Whatever. I'm, you know, we're talking about every every goalie. The oldest one we named, I believe, was, was Yoris. Everyone else, yeah. I mean, I know Norris, what, 28 or whatever he is, but the other yeah, guys yeah. are all 26, 24. Okay, okay, so that's that's the reason, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't disrespect Buffon, but I think from here on out, I think Ederson is a better goalkeeper than Buffon. 
And, mm. and, and I agree with your point on, on Kelo Navas. Kelo Navas reminds me of Victor Valdez. Not a fantastic goalkeeper, but with a very fantastic club side. Okay. If, if I mean, without Kelo Navas, Real Madrid would still have done what they have done. You know, of course, without mm. without even Mane Neuer, of course. But what I'm trying to say is, Kelo Navas is is looks very good because he's the goalkeeper of Real Madrid. Like like he said, someone also tweeted that that this is the reason why Real Madrid needs uh, the hair. Mm-hmm. This goal considered by Kelo Navas against yeah. Manzukic, that if it was the hair, it doesn't that suffer. Would have been a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know yeah. that's 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 a very valid point. And again, my, I mean after that Barcelona Barcelona Real Madrid their classical game. My brother told me something. He said, how, I mean, if, if, if you can't stop it, you can't stop it. And how come Kilo Navas considered that last goal against Messi? It wasn't a shot. It was just a, you know, Messi picked the spot. Right. That some goalkeepers would have done everything humanly possible to stop that. You know, because that goal yeah. would have changed the whole complexion of the league. If not, okay. that Barcelona had left it too late. Now, he's a good goal. He's a good goalkeeper. He's a good goalkeeper. All right. He's in the upper echelon. But when we're talking about these special guys, he's he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's not up there. Yeah. I mean, you got other guys that I would put in the top ten over him easily. Um, and I think if you were to sub off, you know, Navas and placed in Ederson, Oblak, De Gea, yeah. Courtois, Yoris, and uh, Neuer. Right. I don't know if I said Neuer already or. Yeah. He's telling me Madrid still wasn't going to win the Champions League. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had that one tremendous save. You got to give him credit for that. Tremendous yeah. save mm-hmm. on Pjanic right in the sixth superb. minute. That one-handed save, yeah. superb save. The guy has mm-hmm. the ability to make those breathtaking saves. But I think overall, saying that these guys I just mentioned are better than I don't think that's a slight on him. It's just, mm-hmm. look, if no. he's special, as special as those guys, Madrid would not be looking to replace him with one of those guys. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. Well, I I mean, I think that, you know, you also have to give credit for that save, uh, arguably saved the season against Malaga on the final day. Um, and I think that, I don't think he gets enough credit because honestly, w- when you're looking at Madrid, you know, it's, it's so tough to say, oh, where do they need to improve on? Because when you look at their results, there's hardly anything they can improve on. Uh, they're really at just the culmination of everything, and I don't think they could have done that if if Kaylor Navas was you know some bum. But I I I, I don't think that they need uh, a new. You're the one. Personally. You're the one that's you're the one that's insinuating that Omar and I said he's a bum. Nobody said he's okay. a bum. No, no, I just no but... said he's not at that level. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You're still a very good player. He's just not special. There's nothing wrong with that. I know. I just well, personally, I, I I'd give it to Kaylor over Yoris. That's my opinion. But um, well, maybe maybe it's not it's not um you know celebrated that much because yeah. perhaps it's not a it's not a superstar. You know whether you like yeah. it or not. All of these are all major factors as well. You know, but, but Omar, you made a great point. Are... You made a great point with Valdez. He played yeah. on arguably the probably the best teams we've seen in Europe. Yeah. Was it was it yeah. because of him? Did he he make key saves? Absolutely, mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. to. But would you put him at any? I mean, would you put him at the elite level goalkeepers at any any roles? No, absolutely not. You would never even do right, that. That's fair enough. Exactly. 
Yeah. Um, it looks. It also looks like uh, Victor Lindelof is uh, accelerating move uh, after so many transfer windows to you know January uh, of 2017 to last summer. Uh, it finally looks like uh, he's going to United. Cristiano, you think? Uh, not so fast, my friend. Not, not so, so fast, fast, really. So you so you could see him. At, I, I didn't uh, want to interrupt you. I didn't want to interrupt you because it's like I don't want to, dude. I don't want to sound like one of these know-it-alls, but. I'm just re- I'm just sharing what's happened in the news today, okay? okay? And that is Victor Lindelof himself in an interview earlier today. And again, he could just be, you know, saying the right things, right? But he said, yeah. I have a contract with Benfica and I totally expect to be back. I don't really? think okay. I don't think that there's this harmony between both clubs as as we've heard over the last couple of weeks. I think it's no secret that Benfica wants to sell. I think there's no secret that United are interested, but I think where the problem is is that Benfica expects to get 35 to 45 mil mm-hmm. and United is either not agreeing to that fee or they're not agreeing to personal terms with Lindelof and willing to pay him enough to, to make a switch because there's something off there. And for him to come out today and say, no, 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 I'll be back at Benfica. I have a contract. I expect to be back with Benfica after my vacation, I should be with. And this is today. This is like breaking news all over Portuguese media that he's pretty much assured that he'll be back at Benfica. Wow. Now he could just be saying that. We've heard a lot of players saying, "I have no interest in going to such and such club." And before you turn off the TV, they've already signed. They're on a plane to to, to that such club. Uh, but according to him today, he pretty much in Portuguese media as well. They're pretty much just saying that it's, you know, foregone conclusion. He's staying at Benfica. Yeah, and to be fair, he did have um, somewhat of a disappointing season considering how good he was in his debut season last season. But I still think that – I mean, if, if United can't cough up the cash, do you, do you see another team going in for him? I mean, I think there's plenty of teams that are interested in him, but I don't think Benfica will sell him for anything lower than, let's say, 35 mil. Okay. Because the rumor I heard is 35 plus 5 for objectives. That was what was – I don't think Benfica – he's got a – I believe it's a $60 million release clause. And so Benfica will not let him go if they don't get a good return. All right. Fair enough. Um, also, another Benfica player, final Benfica player mentioned, I think the third – the most important player in their Tetra this season – uh, Nelson Semedo. It's kind of a tug of war right now uh, for his services. Uh, Barcelona are looking into him, Manchester United, plenty of clubs. Uh, where do you think he'd be the best fit for? I think because of his characteristics and his style of play, I think he couldn't go wrong on that Barcelona team. I think he would just be another weapon on the right side. He'd be the second coming of Donny Alves for that team. The dude's tremendous with the yeah. ball at his feet. But another another club that wants to lower his price, Benfica asking for 50. I don't think that they're really too crazy about that idea. And Valverde, from what I'm gathering, might be a big fan of Bellarin or whatever, however you pronounce his yeah. name, Bellarin, from Arsenal. But I'm sorry, my <clears throat> friends. This has nothing to do with the fact that I'm Portuguese or a Benfica fan. I'm just giving you my opinion based on the two players. Bayarin can't can't shine 
his shoes. He cannot shine Nelson Little's shoes. He can't. He cannot. Totally yeah. different play. The only thing I might give Villar in the edge in is he might run a slight hair faster. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, Semedo is also extremely fast, so I don't think there's... Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. There's no comparison with the ball at his feet. No comparison. So, uh, Omar, are you familiar with Semedo? Not exactly. Not exactly. Well, you, 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 you'll, you'll get very familiarized with him over <laughs> the next couple of months. I, I'm, I'm checking him up right now. Yeah. I told a lot of people to check him out, and they started watching him. And, and, and these are, you know, Serie A fans, La Liga fans, EPL, Bundesliga fans. And they checked him out. And I said, look, don't even watch his games in the Portuguese league because you're going to discredit a lot of what he does. Check him out in the Champions League. And they're all yeah, against Dortmund. The dude's tremendous. I'm like, I know he's true. The guy does that whole right flank on his own. It's just like, get out of my way. I'll take care of it. Don't, don't even. He needs to improve his shots. On goal. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the one weakness of his. And his defending, okay, could still be questioned somewhat because this is a guy that was a former midfielder and he only transitioned to right back like two, three years ago, whatever it is. So in a bigger league, I like to see him defend, but he's shown in the Champions League that he could defend at that level. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he is uh, honestly on the verge of world class. For me, he's already a top three right back in football. And uh, whoever secures him will be extremely lucky. He will go to Barcelona. I hope so. I hope so. Uma's hoping he goes to Barcelona now. He's tremendous. And Uma, <laughs> there's a lot of people that tell me Danny Carvajal is better than him. Carvajal can't shine his shoes with the ball at his feet. He can't. Wow. Hey, 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 Uma, just so, so you can see who I'm talking about real quick. We're talking about a former, a former number 10. That's what he played. Wow. Gets to Benfica, they said, look, man, we like you, but we think we might have to change your position. And it happens at big clubs. You know what I mean? It happens. Deco Deco was a fantastic number 10 on a Porto Champions League winning side and a Europa League side the year before. And he gets to Barcelona, and he has to give that seat up to Ronaldinho. It happens. We see it in teams. A very, very famous and recent example is is Mascherano. Mascherano. Yeah, another guy. He's, he's mm-hmm. a DM, but he became a central defender at Barcelona. Because of Busquets. And he did it with because all... Because of Pep, all, too. He did it with all happiness. It's better to play regularly as a central defender than, than to sit on the bench. Exactly. And so Smithu is a guy that goes from... He's got the touch and the playmaking ability and the, and the one-on-one ability of a number 10 at right back. The dude's yeah. lights out. Zinedine Zidane, though, according to, to reports, Zinedine Zidane did did turn down because Florentino supposedly presented uh, to, to Zidane if he wanted to get Smith and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. I guess he probably thinks there's other... I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with Carvajal. I mean, it's not like you have to upgrade that position, so... Yeah, because Carvajal has been fantastic. He's, yeah. He's been but, brilliant. But Smith is better. Smith is better. Really? You think Smith so? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, gives me, that gives me joy because it looks like Barcelona are in the league. Yes. To get this young man. We, I hear yes. from what I'm finding that they've, they've gone into advanced talks, you know, yes. with, 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 his, with his management. And mm-hmm. it looks like they favor Barcelona ahead of Manchester United. But of course, who wouldn't? You have Barcelona, you you, you are sure to play better football. You're sure to, to mm-hmm. play in the Champions League semi-final season in, season out. And, that, and, that, and that's why I think, that's why I'm saying it. he'll be best right back in the world because... With yes, all the space 
that yes. he'll have to operate yeah. with because nobody be concentrating on him. Just like, just like what's his name, Alaba, Alaba, whatever his name is. He has all that freedom to roam up and down because everyone's concerned with Iniesta, Messi, Neymar. Exactly. He's, the, he's going to kill it. Kill and it. Thing, and the good thing is, it would I think it will walk straight into the first eleven. Because since the exit, yes, since the would. departure of Dani Alves, Barcelona have been, you know, huffing and puffing in terms of finding a replacement. Mm-hmm. Sergio, Sergio Roberto is not a natural right back. And, I mean, he's done a decent job, to be honest. He's done... He's nowhere near as good as Semedo. Sorry? Sorry? Oh, just... I, I like... I mean, Roberto is a decent player, but Semedo is just a different class. I, 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 that would, that would, for me, as a Barcelona fan... I'll be so happy because we know that, that there's been a void in that position for yeah. Barcelona. And if you have a Semedo, you know that that position is completely occupied. Then you can you can you can have depth with players like Sergio Roberto on the bench, you know, coming sometimes as a midfielder, sometimes as a right back. It makes the team better. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that this this season proved that uh you're only as good as your fullbacks. You know, Absolutely. we've Absolutely. seen, you know, probably the four best left backs in the world uh, were all in the Champions League semifinals this exactly. season. Exactly, exactly. And look at the impact that uh, Marcelo, you know, yeah. made in, in Real Madrid's champion. In, I mean, Real Madrid's success this exactly. season. He came, he came to the to the fore when he was needed, and that's a that's a that's a left back. Look at Dani Alves, how he became the man of the match over two legs against AS Monaco. That's a right back, and. You know, right backs are becoming. You know, the game is evolving. Those days, right backs are just defenders, but today, right backs are more more attackers than defenders. It's, in, it's quite interesting, and sometimes I I, I I worry for these players how they run, you know, run run through the ranks for ninety minutes, and and they do that week in week out. It's, it's they deserve all the money they earn. I think so. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, marks the end for our podcast. Thank you both for coming on again. We're going to have to do La Tercera uh, again in a few weeks. <laughs> I, 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 I'm very glad to be back on this podcast. And um, once again, I'm going to get that part where... The kiss <laughs> answer, yeah. Exactly. I'm going to post it. Oma like trying to get me in trouble. Yeah, almost the troublemaker here. I don't know. How do you, you know you know that yeah? You know that yeah. I want to start another debate on Twitter. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Link them up. Link them up, uh, Omar. I'll take I'll take more uh, no people problem. to chit chat. No problem. I'll give them the same opinion. Let's go. Send them all my way, Omar. The dynamic duo uh, reunited, and and we'll have to reunite them uh, again in a few weeks. All the time, all the time, already, all the time. This is my passion. Football is. Football is live in Germany. We say football is alles. Football is everything. Football is alles. Yeah. And it and it never dies. I mean, even yeah. though uh, the, the season may be over, you, you never really quite take a break. It's a twenty four seven cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. All right, fellas. It was a pleasure. Pleasure. Always available whenever needed. Oma, stay out of trouble. All right, take off your <laughs> thank you, brother. Take, thank take, you. take off your Barcelona color glasses <laughs> once in a while. All right? I'm the glasses, yeah. No, this, um, this, this, are not, this are not these are not good times for Barcelona. Uh, hey, you'll no, be all right, though. You'll be all right. We'll be all right we'll if we get tomato. With we'll Messi, anything's possible. That's true.
Right. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Um, thank you all for listening. R.I.P. Chick Teote. And yeah, uh, we'll, thank you very true for that. Yeah. yeah, and um, we'll be back in a few weeks, and we'll be back in Spanish this week too. So, um, yeah, thanks so much for the dynamic duo, and uh, we'll be back with them both very soon. All Hasta right. luego. Hasta luego. Mm-hmm.